you're listening to That'll Preach, we're starting a special series called Talk to Me Like I'm Five. So I'm Brian, I'm here with Paul. Paul is a philosopher, and uh, we oftentimes go back and forth in real life, because we actually are friends in real life. Shocker. Shocker. And uh, when you, whenever you talk to a philosopher, you know, he uses big words and concepts and all kinds of metaphysical judo. Indubitably, Indubitably, ontologically. And sometimes I have to stop him and be like, Paul, just talk to me like I'm five. Break this down for me in its simplest form. We thought, well, this might be kind of an interesting series, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a short series. Literally, I mean, we're going to have a lot of these episodes, but they're going to be lengthwise. They're going to be 10 to 15 minutes. And we're just going to have different topics like on philosophy and theology or theologians or philosophers of the past and just give a brief overview, a brief explanation just to get things down distilled to their simplest form that a five-year-old could understand. Or maybe a really educated five-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> it's ambitious, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so without further ado, our first Talk to Me Like I'm Five is going to be on free will. Talk to me like I'm five, Paul. What free is will. free will? Free will is something we don't have because we're Calvinists and we believe everyone's a robot. Thank you for listening to this show. That's all we need. <laughs> That's all, folks. Um, no, the simplest way to think about free will is you have free will if you are morally responsible. So when we want to answer whether or not an individual is worthy of blame or praise, whether uh, they're in control of their action, whether we can punish them or say that they're worthy of merit, like that, that thing that we think they have or not, that thing is called free will. So free will is what it takes to be morally responsible. And not having free will would mean that you don't have moral responsibility. You don't have moral responsibility. So here's an example. Um, I push you and you push someone else, right? And so they fall over. Um, in that situation, you didn't, it wasn't part of your goal. It wasn't something that you planned to do. It's not an outcome that you wanted. And so you're not morally responsible. For, I can't blame you, right? It would be stupid for me to blame you. You didn't, you didn't have control over that situation. Uh, and so similarly, when, when we look at uh, crimes and things like that, we want to figure out whether or not the individual is worthy of blame. Should we punish this person? And when we ask that question, should we punish to what extent we should punish? We're asking how much control did they have? And if they had that kind of control, if they had that free will, then that means they are responsible for their actions. We can hold them accountable to do that. There are different accounts of what it is to, to be free, and we can, we can go into the weeds a little bit on that. But just as a sort of overview, what it is to be free is whatever it takes to make an individual worthy of blame or praise. We wouldn't, we wouldn't blame a rock for falling and crushing someone. We wouldn't blame an animal for you know hurting someone. There's a famous case actually in 1912 when... Uh, an elephant went crazy in like a, a, a carnival and stampeded, killed a bunch of people. And they actually put the elephant on trial in the U.S. and hung the elephant to death because they said it was guilty of murder. And we look at that and we just say, that's stupid. That, like, that, that creature was not in control of their actions. And so it's just stupid to, to blame or to even give credit to them. So free will is just really basically whatever it takes to have moral responsibility to have moral praiseworthiness or blameworthiness, right? Like, is it appropriate of me to blame or praise this individual, this entity, this creature, whatever? So it's not the sort of thing we could do with rocks. It's not the sort of thing we could do with animals. It's not the sort of thing we could do with babies, right? Children don't, they're not in control of their actions in the same kind of way that a fully cognizant adult is. 
Um, and so really basically without getting into the weeds, if, if you have free will or if, if you are morally responsible, it's because you have this ability or this capacity that we would call free will. Would you say that children don't have free will then? I would say that it's at least maybe to a lesser extent. And I think control can come in degrees. So we can say some individuals are more in control of their action. So here's a case where, uh, let's say I, um, I threaten to fire you unless you do this thing that I want you to do. In that situation, you've got control still, but if even if you did the thing I wanted you to do, we would say, well, he did so under pressure, so he was in less control of his behavior. So, so control can come in degrees. We can say that uh, people who are more aware of what they're doing are in more control, and so they're more free, and so they're more responsible. And so children, people who are not as developed, are in less control because they're not as aware of the relevant facts and what they're doing. And so it comes, it's, it's sort of like a sliding scale that goes up and down. But some things we know for sure don't have it, like rocks, animals, things like that. What are the different kinds of free will? So this is, uh, I mean, this is the question that gets into, you know, Calvinists love to talk about free will here. But um, one way to think about free will is if you have alternate possibilities open to you. So for lunch today, I had uh, fish tacos, but I could have decided to eat something else, right? So there's a question there. If I could have done something else, then I'm free, right? I had genuine options open to me. I'm at a fork in the road. I've got choice A, choice B. Can I genuinely pick either A or B? And if I pick A, then I'm responsible for A. If I pick B, then I'm responsible for B. That's one model of free will. Now, that model is in tension with uh, sort of a Calvinistic picture of the world, which says, Ultimately, there's only one path that things can play out on. There's only one way that the tape of the world can play out because God has written a story. And so in, in that picture, individuals don't have genuine ability to pick between choice A and B, um, but they can still choose in accordance with their desires. So let's say I picked my fish tacos for lunch. Why did I do that? You asked me, well, it's because I, that's what I wanted. No one, no one put a gun to my head. No one forced me to do so. I really like fish tacos. Why did I like fish tacos? Well, you can give this really complex story about my psychology and my environment, all these things. And I made myself into this kind of person who likes fish tacos. And so that, that version of freedom just says, well, I am free if I am acting in an uncoerced way. I'm acting in a way where no one is forcing me to go against my will and my desires. And so those are two broadly, um, two broad camps of how to think about free will. One is genuine openness in the universe where things can unfold either A or B. On the other camp, it's just, am I acting in an uncoerced way? Am I acting in accordance with my desires? So long as I feel, fulfill some of those conditions that I am free, and to that extent, I can be morally praised or blamed for my actions. For the second option, if you were not coerced to choose A, yeah. but there was no possibility that you would ever choose B, yeah. is the choice an illusion? I don't, I don't think it's an illusion because I think what matters for whether or not you are free is what you see from your perspective. So here's a case where, um, let's say I have, I see in front of me choice A and choice B. Actually, choice B is an illusion, right? I, I can't actually pick choice B. But from my perspective, I think I can choose A and B. And I choose A, right? Even though I couldn't have chosen B all along, then what's relevant for whether or not I am free is whether or not I decided to do A of my own accord and pick between A and B, right? Like, so it doesn't matter whether or not the option is, whether the universe is genuinely open, 
Uh, what matters is, from my perspective, what I thought I could do in that moment. But isn't if something is not there, and from your perspective, you perceive that it is, isn't that what an illusion is? Right. So this is the this is a big objection to the sort of compatibilist picture. This is what we're this is the, the view that we're talking about is called compatibilism. Um, and there it is it is a decent objection. Um, it's one that I don't think works because I think I think free will is fundamentally about a subjective first person experience. And so what's relevant to whether I'm free, whether I am blameworthy is what I believed was possible about my actions. Is what I believed was possible about procuring A or B. So whether B is actually a choice you could ever make is irrelevant to whether you are free, right. whether you have free will based upon a particular definition of free will. Right. So if you go on your second definition, if you go and you see path A and you see path B, there is no possible world where you would choose path B because, but also you are not being coerced to choose path A. You are getting what you want. You're choosing A. It's just that you will always choose A. Right. Um, now path B will never actually be chosen, but just because it's not a real reality right. doesn't mean you don't have free choice. Right. So it's almost irrelevant whether right. that can actually be a possibility. Yeah. But the other definition would say, well, no, then you don't have actually free will. And right. It's just based on how you define what free will is. Right. So there's, there's competing different ways of how you define free will, but ultimately free will is just whatever it takes for an individual to be morally blameworthy or praiseworthy. What is the best argument against the first view that free will is being able to choose between A or B? Um, there's, there's or a that couple. there are A or B are options open to you. Yeah, th there seem to be cases where intuitively we can think of agents, individuals that don't have an option open to them and yet still are free. So a famous case is um, I want you to vote for Biden in the election and you're going to go and vote for Trump. <laughs> this that, is getting... would be, uh, that would be a major destruction of my free will. That would. Um, I want you to vote and for Biden. And this country's free will. <laughs> Let's say I want Brian to vote for Biden, um, but he wants to vote for Trump deep down, right? But I install a chip in his brain that tells me... It's going to be the most beautiful chip you have ever <laughs> seen. It will control all of your mind. You will have more choices than A or B. You're going to have A, B, C, D, all the way down the alphabet. It's going to be fantastic. That, uh, that sounded like Alec Baldwin doing Trump, but it was still, still there pretty There was good. Alec Baldwin doing Trump. <laughs> so let's say I put a chip in Brian's brain that would override his ability to choose if he decides to go and vote for Trump. So I've, I've got the ability to override Brian, right? Um, so Brian goes to the poll. I'm waiting. I really want him to vote for Biden. And if I see him going to pull the lever to vote for Trump, I'm going to switch the chip and activate it and make sure he's going to vote for Biden, do what I want him to do. And then I'm watching this whole situation and he ends up voting for Biden on his own. I don't have to interfere, right? That situation shows us that in this, in this case, Brian didn't have the ability to vote for Trump. Like genuinely, that future possibility was closed off for him. But still... Like he's responsible for his choice to vote for Biden. I, I didn't. I didn't coerce him, right? So the 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 presence of alternate possibilities, like the universe being open in this way, just seems irrelevant to whether or not an individual from the first person perspective is free. So basically, That's, you yeah. have an example that you can imagine where you can't choose door B, right? And yet your free will is not taken away, right? Because if if you choose A, and you essentially don't know that you can't choose B. Right. 
it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It doesn't affect calling. You're still morally responsible for choosing A. Right. So let's say I like I I um I drag you out of your bed late at night and I these lock are you. all some very just questionable <laughs> philosophers love bizarre examples. Yeah. Okay. You drag me out of bed. Drag you out of bed at one night and then I I lock you in the church office right with uh who's someone that you'd really like to talk to. Are you just telling what happened last week or are you <laughs> is this an example? I wasn't even in Tallahassee last no, week. That's true. Yeah. Um, someone that Brian really wants to talk to, let's say, uh, Akon. So <laughs> oh I lock Brian in the office with Akon. Brian doesn't know the office is locked, but Brian wakes up from his sleepy stupor and is like, oh shoot, it's Akon. And they spend the whole night talking, having fun, singing versions of Smack That, which we don't know the lyrics to because we're all Christians. Um, and then afterwards he, uh, you know, I pick him up, I drive him home. It's all good. And his wife is like, well, you know, Brian, why were you, why were you out last night? He can't appeal to the fact that the door was locked to the church office to excuse himself for why he was out super late, right? Um, the doors being locked was irrelevant to what he was wanting to do in that moment, which was to stay and talk to Akon. So what's relevant to whether or not Brian is free or responsible for his behavior is, is he doing so in a coerced way or not, rather than was the door to the church office locked and whether or not he could actually get out on his own. Gotcha. So that whole example... I don't know that the door is locked. Yeah. I don't realize that leaving is an option. Right. But if I leave, wait, you couldn't, you couldn't leave if you wanted, uh, if, if you wanted to, right? In that situation, the door is locked. You couldn't, right. you, oh, you, you right. never go okay. up to, that's to right. try that's and check right. it. That's right. So okay. it's actually impossible for you to leave the room until I come get you. But I choose but not to leave the room. You choose not to because you want to hang out. So, so what's relevant, so intuitively, we'd all agree, like what's relevant to you being free there is, well, no, you, you want to talk to Akon, right? You never went up and tested the door. You couldn't leave in that situation. But the fact that you couldn't leave is irrelevant to whether or not what you're doing is what you want right. to do. So in that room, choice A is stay hang out with Akon. Yeah. Choice B is leave. Right. Choice B can actually never happen right. because the door is locked. Right. But I choose to stay with Akon. Right. And no one would look at that and go, Brian didn't have free will. Right. I was able to do what I wanted, regardless of whether I was ever able to do choice B. Right. Open the door. Right. Awesome. Thank you for that. Talking to the compliance. We got it. Check us out next week. <laughs>